Coaches, welcome to the United Basketball and Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Smith. I want to thank our good friends, Dr. Dish. We are sponsored by Dr. Dish. Check out Dr. Dish at Dr. Dish B-Ball on all social media. Mention this podcast and receive a $300 discount. Uh, Dr. Dish is uh, one thing that I want in all my gyms, and thankfully my new job has two Dr. Dishes. Uh, it makes our team better. Kids are excited to get in the gym. They love seeing the immediate feedback. So reach out to them and make sure you have a Dr. Dish or two in your gym. Also sponsored by United Basketball Plus, unitedbasketballplus.com. Check it out. Use the code CLINICS and you can receive a full year for $50. That's less than a cup of coffee per month. UnitedBasketballPlus.com. And hopefully I will see a lot of you at the Hoosier Gym Clinic. It's August 25th and 26th in Knightstown, Indiana. Mike Neighbors, Don Showalter, Tobin Anderson, Mike McDonald, Greg White, Jamie Beckler, Joe's Decision, Sherwin Vassallo, several coaches that probably I forgot to mention right there. It's a great clinic. On the floor instruction, groups of four or more receive a 15% discount and early bird discounts end August 10th. I hope to see you at the Hoosier Gym Clinic. All the information is in the show notes. Click on the link. I'm excited about our guest today, Matt McCall. Matt McCall was at University of Tennessee, Chattanooga. I'm in Chattanooga myself. I got to know him here. He's going to talk about his stops around the country, the influence of Billy Donovan, and just the importance of alignment is for your staff. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Coaches, welcome to the United Basketball and Leadership Podcast. I'm excited to have Matt McCall on the podcast. Uh, he was in UTC where I first met him, University of Tennessee at Chattanooga, many years ago. And uh, looking forward to f- catching up with him, seeing what he's got going on now, and just talk about his basketball background, how he got started, and, and things like that. So, Coach, thanks so much for joining us uh, this morning, I should say. Yeah, Matt, and I appreciate you having me. And, and you bring up a lot of good memories we were talking uh, before we jumped on here and just when we met it was my first year at Chattanooga you were doing a clinic it was the weekend that my second child was being born she was born on Labor Day September 7th and hard to believe man that was what eight eight years ago to the almost to the day so it's great to see you great to be back with you and, and always love talking some hoop yeah I appreciate it. yeah I'm still around the Chattanooga area I've been taking a, a couple of jobs since you and I met but uh, yeah that that was a fun weekend a good clinic and uh, I was impressed with you and I think we even brought in I think Jim Foster was at Chattanooga then he came over as well legend yeah legend <laughs> I, I think I look back at um, just the coaches who who come through UTC the women's side the men's side it's some really good coaches uh, but Coach Foster again just talk about that for a second was just like why would he he could go anywhere in the what he wants to probably in the world but uh settled in chattanooga and uh he he was a fun guy to be around for a couple week for a couple weekends at the clinic you know it's it's interesting too i'll never forget this we were walking in the arena in Asheville, and the women's tournament had started a couple days earlier than our tournament started than the men's tournament started and we were getting ready to play in the semifinals uh, against western carolina and they had just won the women's tournament. And he's sitting outside the locker room. And I went over and shook his hand and said, congratulations. And he said to me, he said, Matt, never gets old, man. Good luck tonight. So <laughs> as many championships yeah. as he won, no matter what school he was at, he was still 
you know, just kind of sitting there and enjoying the moment. And he was also the guy that could give you every single restaurant recommendation in the town of Chattanooga. He knew them all. He knew the best pizza place, the best Italian place, the best hamburger place, the best rib place. You want to know something about a restaurant in Chattanooga, call Coach Foster. Those are good people to know right there. I, I have my own little top 10 Chattanooga, but yeah, it's always good to run into someone who can tell you any genre of food you want. Here's where you, where you want to go. Um, but before you, but before you came to Chattanooga, which that was your first head job, uh, you started off early in your career at, at Florida under Billy Donovan. Uh, you were there for, uh, was it, uh, two championship runs? Yeah. I mean, I was there, I was there an 11 year stint, uh, broke up in, in two different stints. Started in, in 2002, Udonis has them senior year, um, started off as a student manager at had tried being like, you know, the whole preferred walk on at, at Stetson University. And my dad played football at the University of Florida. My two older sisters went to the University of Florida. All my buddies from high school were going to the University of Florida. And I was sitting over there at Stetson just saying, eh, this just doesn't feel right. So transferred to Florida, was out of the game for a year, was just going to be the normal student, pledge of fraternity, do all those types of things. It just kind of felt like something was missing. And, um, you know, through Jeremy Foley, my father, Coach Spurrier, my dad played with Coach Spurrier in the 60s at Florida. And Mr. Foley, that was that was my end to the basketball program. And Donnie Jones, who's the head coach at Stetson University now, ironically, uh, was the first guy I met with and said, hey, you need to be a student manager. And this is what a lot of young coaches are doing. This is the path that they're taking. And that's what I did. You know, I started wiping up sweat, passing out water bottles and you know, doing the grunt work of, of what a student manager does. And it was an unbelievable experience. And it just kind of grew into more responsibility for me. Um, in 2004, I got my undergraduate degree and, and Coach Donovan, you know, sat me down and said, what's your plan? I said, I don't really have one right now. I said, well, you need to go to grad school. You need to get your master's. You need to stay here and you need to be a GA. And that was, you know, 2005. And then in 06, we won a national championship was my second year as a GA. And then the following that year after that season, Anthony Grant gets hired at VCU. He gives me a phone call. He says, Matt, I want you to come with me to VCU as the ops guy. Three minutes later, Coach Donovan calls me. He said, I heard Anthony offered you a job. I said, I'm, Coach, so indebted to you. Thank you for everything. I'm excited to move to Richmond, Virginia. And then he said, whoa, whoa, whoa wait a second. I'm going to offer you the same job here. So that was the ops guy uh, for two years, and that was the second national championship. Um, and then I had a, a real heart-to-heart -heart with Coach um, about what I wanted. Um I wanted to be a coach. And he said, look, you know, you need to go get some experience being an assistant coach. And once you get that experience, I'll hire you back as an assistant coach. So I went to FAU for three years. We won the Sunbelt Conference Championship my last year there. And he was a man of his word. He hired me back after those three years, after getting that experience that I needed, and then was back with him for another four years. So 11 years total uh, before I went on to, to accept my first head coaching job at Chattanooga. So he was much more than just your boss or head coach. He seemed like he was a very sincere mentor in your life, uh, probably in many ways outside of just basketball. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I, there's the two most influential people in my life and in my career were my father uh, and Coach Donovan. I mean, it's just – and there's been so many other good coaches that have helped me along the way. Mike Jarvis, Donnie Jones, John Pelfrey, Larry Shiat, Anthony Grant. There's just been so many people – uh, that have impacted my my coaching career and the reason I was able to become a head coach at such a young age. Uh, but really, you know, he, he, he was he was the one. And, you know, I'll never forget this. You know, I was an assistant coach at FAU and, 
you know, financially, it wasn't a very high paying job at all. And I started to get later in my 20s and an opportunity to, to make a significant amount of money at a high major power five school as an ops guy again came about. Um, and he called me and he said, what are you doing? If you want to be an ops guy, then just come back here. He's like, you need to sit down. You need to continue to work. You need to continue to get that experience and I will hire you back. Uh, and he was, that's exactly what he did. And um, call him right now for advice, for um, different things. Just, just such a genuine person. You know, people ask me all the time, you know, here's a guy that's going to go into the Hall of Fame. Uh, and he's so humble. You know, I'm sure that he's had opportunities to already be in the Hall of Fame, but probably wants his coaching career to be, you know, wrapped up or finished and not make it about himself. And that's, that's who he is. And that's, that's one of the biggest things. He has no ego. He loves helping people. He loves impacting people um, and just a genuine, genuine human being. And I think that's why he has had so much success, whether it's been in college or in the NBA. Have you been shocked at all that he hasn't come back to college basketball and stayed in the pros? Well, I think the one thing about the NBA is that it's basketball all the time. There's, you know, there's no recruiting. Um, you're not dealing with NIL. You're not dealing with the transfer portal. You're, it is just hoops, and I think he really, really enjoys that. I think the landscape of college basketball since he's been in the NBA has changed really so much um, with transfer portal, with NIL. It's it's crazy. You know, I was talking to someone the other day, um, and you know, you look at it, and we had COVID, and dealing with COVID was so challenging for college coaches. And you know, you got uh, my year at UMass, we only played 15 games. So every state was different. Every place was different. Every school was different. How you quarantine, how you tested, all that was different. And we're all trying to manage that. And then you're coming straight out of COVID. And, oh, by the way, here's Transfer Portal. Here's NIL. Figure it out and go. <laughs> right? So I, I think Coach is really, really happy where he is. I'm not saying never. He'll never come back to college. I, I don't. He's never said that to me. I've, I've never really – sat down and asked him, hey, are you coming back to college? Um, you know, but I, I think he's he enjoys what he's doing. He's got a joy. Um, he still has that fire, that work ethic that I'm going to be in the office at 730. I'm not leaving there till 630 at night. That's who he is. That's that's how he's that's why he's been so successful that on top of that, uh, the type of human being he is. So I just think the landscape of college athletics has changed so much. Um, and, and for him to come back to college, it would just have to be just an unbelievable opportunity with alignment with whoever the athletic director is. I mean, to recreate what we had at Florida, it, it, it's it's just so challenging to do. And I think for any of us that ever left there, we see the relationship that coach had with Jeremy Foley. We see the friendship. We see the alignment. And it was everybody that touched our program at the University of Florida. And I tell people this story all the time. And you want to know why we won and we won at such a high level. Mark Dagnall, who's now the the head coach at Oklahoma City Thunder, had to be – it was before COVID, so it's 2019, someone like one summer. It, he got married uh, to a girl he met uh, at the University of Florida when he was in grad school, Ashley Kerr, and they had their wedding in Tampa, Florida. And the wedding list and everybody that showed up, I was there. I was an assistant coach when Mark Dagnall was there. Billy Donovan was there. He was obviously the head coach. Jeremy Foley was there, the athletic director. Tracy Papp, Coach Donovan's assistant, was there. Uh, Duke Warner, Coach Donovan's trainer, was there. Oliver Winterbone, who at the time was our video coordinator, he was there. Tom Williams, our academic coordinator. Like 
That's why we won. Here's somebody that's getting married and everybody showed up to the wedding because that's how tight we all were. And every, from the athletic director to the trainer, to the assistant, to the strength coach, to the video coordinator, to anybody that was touching our program, everybody was on the same page. Everybody had a unique bond and that's why we won. And coach Donovan and Jeremy Foley created that. So for coach to come back to college, that's going to be hard to recreate Yeah, the relationship you have with your athletic director. Um, and I know for, even for me, you know, trying to always tr recreate what we had at Florida, it, it, it was just so special um, from, you know, the administration to your sport oversight, to the AD, to the trainer, to the, to the secretary, to the, it's just, it was, it was truly special. And it's why we had so much success. And from Florida, you came to uh, Chattanooga. What again? How old were you when you took the head job at UTC? Oh man, I think I was. Well, that was eight years ago. So I was. Man, I was 30, 33, 33 okay. years old. I had one daughter. Uh, my wife, when I took the job, was pregnant with our second. So we had one daughter uh, born in Gainesville, Florida. One daughter born in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And my son was born in Amherst, Massachusetts. So we just kind of kept getting more north, and now now we're back in Florida. But yeah, I was I was 34 years old. I, I was young, Matt. Um, and I think when I look back at, at my my eight year career as a head coach, um, I think the things that I tried to do early on was just do everything we, we did at Florida. I'm taking everything we did at Florida and I'm going to put it into Chattanooga. And because we had such a special group my first year, um, led by Eric Robertson, God rest his soul. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we had a, a mix. We had we had some John Shulman guys, Casey Jones, Eric Robertson. We had some Will Wade guys, right? You know, Trey McClain, Greg Pryor, Justin Toyo. And then we brought in some guys, Jonathan Burroughs Cook, who was really our sixth man of the year. We had a glue guy in Chuck Esther. And me aside, those guys decided to stay together. When Will left and went to VCU, they, they made a pact to each other. It didn't matter if I was Phil Jackson coming through the door. Those 12 guys, 11 guys, whatever, the only guys we lost were the guys that had signed. We, 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 didn't, we didn't get any of those. I think we may have had one or two that, two that had signed that decided to, to, to honor their commitment, and we wanted to honor the commitment to them. But those guys made that pact to stay. Mm -hmm. And so when adversity hit, and we hey, ran into some adversity – because those guys were such a tight knit group, I just had to kind of steer the ship and give them some ball plays. And, and, and our culture was already established. And I came in and I was, we were going to see have the same core values that we had at the university of Florida. And we're going to do this. And, but man, we, we, that was a special group. I had a great staff led by Reggie, Reggie Witherspoon, who had said so much success, you know, success as a head coach at Buffalo. Um, and, you know, even after that first year, we had some staff turnover we lose Eric. Casey Jones is coming off an, an, a, a brutal injury, and then we lose Chuck Esther in a in a scrimmage, um, which you know we had some adversity that season. But that's a special group. And again, Eric Robertson, Trey McLean, those were really our our leaders. Um, and you know, when 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 Eric passed away last year, uh, that that was tough on all those guys. I know uh, because he just had this energy that impacted everybody. Uh, and that's why we had success, you know. Um, and then I go to UMass and I try to kind of do the same thing, but it wasn't the same situation. 
you know, I'm, I'm taking over a program at Chattanooga that's kind of going like this. And at UMass, it was a little bit of a different situation. And I had a lot of turnover. It was like every day someone's coming to my office wanting, you know, their release to transfer and go on the transfer portal and um, couldn't do what we did at, at Chattanooga or Florida. Completely different job. And I think that's one of the biggest lessons that I learned was I can't be Billy Donovan. I can't try to be Billy Donovan. This is a different program from the University of Florida. This is different people, different administration, the whole different situation. Uh, And when you try to be someone that you're not or you try to just throw those core values, you can come off as fake and not authentic. And when you don't have that authenticity about yourself, it's very, very, very hard. Uh, to have success. And I learned that as I went through my five years at UMass and wasn't all bad. Throw COVID in the middle of that was was one of the hardest things that, that I had to deal with, um, trying to manage that, keep guys mentally in the right frame of mind. I mean, I'll never forget, we played a game on a Saturday night at Rhode Island. It was our rival. The game was on ESPN. Huge win. Two of our better players didn't play in the game. They were hurt. We found a way to, to to play the game the right way, move it, pass it, share it, and uh, beat them. And then the next day, the state of Massachusetts shut us down for two and a half weeks where we weren't even allowed on campus. Mm. And that's going into the conference tournament. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, you've got some momentum, and then that momentum is is completely gone away. But I, I think being able to reflect um, on kind of where I feel like it, it, it should have gone this way and maybe it went that way. It's, it's that authentic, authenticity, finding out who I am, yeah. what are my core values, what are the things that, that I want to bring to the table, and how do I get my staff to echo my message every single day. I think for young coaches, that's the biggest thing. What, no matter where you're at right now, um, you know, when you get your opportunity and don't be in a rush to get that opportunity, because uh, there's going to – Billy used to always say, you don't know until you know. Well, now I know. And um, when you get that opportunity, be real, be authentic, and be who you are. Don't try to be someone else. Oh, gr- great words. I, I appreciate that, um, you being transparent. So w- when you walked in the door at Chattanooga or UMass, whichever one you want to think about, what what are some things – that was that first head coaching job in Chattanooga that you've been told these are things you've got to do, but like, what are some things that you didn't realize maybe were responsibilities of the head coach or how much time you're doing with boosters or fundraising or, you know, how much time do you get to actually spend X's and O's in the office with basketball or is it 50% of your time kind of on the periphery doing other things within the community and with the school? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, the X's and O's piece, that was kind of always the easy part for me as a head coach, but you don't get to spend a a ton of time on it. Um, Once you get locked into the season, um, you're spending so much time on your culture, your locker room, um, you know, different things that pop up, you know, each and every day, just trying to put the most connected team you can out there on the floor. How do you get that connectivity do you try to force some of that do you let it happen organically I think when you're an assistant it's like look I just got to keep things off my head coach's desk Mm -hmm. I gotta make sure he doesn't have to deal with whether or not they're going to class I gotta make sure that I'm prepared and scouting I gotta make sure I've got thoughts and ideas when it comes to individual instruction and I gotta make sure I'm recruiting the right guys for this program where we're at right now guys that coach Donovan or Mike Jarvis will do well coaching that's it that's mm-hmm. it you, 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 you that's your responsibility how do you keep things off the head coach's desk 
um, and bring them players, not not your players. Or I just want to sign this guy because he's the guy that I recruited. That, there's so many people in college basketball that get wrapped up in signing a guy just to sign a guy instead of saying, hey, who can this guy coach? Who can Matt McCall coach? Who can Billy Donovan? Who does he do well with? You got to find those guys and go get them. Um, I think as a head coach, you're spending, you know, the, 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 the piece with the boosters and that things and public speaking and all that, that just comes with the job. I, I wouldn't say it takes up, you know, too much of your time. You just have to do it. Um, yeah. you know, talking for me was never something that was a big challenge. Talking in front of people was never a challenge. Maybe that's why I'm halfway decent at TV, but, um, I think, where the majority of your time is is spent, or at least it was for me, was how do we get those guys in the locker room connected to go out there and play the game? Um, and it's that's one of the biggest challenges. And then for coaches now, you know, th- there's no time to sit back and catch your breath, right? Like the season used to end, the clock would hit zero, and it's like, okay, let's evaluate. Where are we at? Where do we need to get better? What positions do we need to address in recruiting and take, you know, two weeks? You don't have two weeks because if you have a player that's unhappy with how much he played or you have a player that thinks they can play at a higher level, you're going to get a text message on your phone and it's going to say, hey, coach, can we meet? And if you get that text message, you know what that means. <laughs> and he's going in the portal. And it is just the off For me, once the clock hits zero, and especially my years at UMass, from March until the middle of May, that was the most stressful time because you just didn't know. And this is when the transfer portal really started up and everybody's getting a waiver, so everybody's going to transfer anyway. And if you have anybody that's a little bit disgruntled with how much they played, there's no more, I'm going to sit, I'm going to get better, I'm going to grind, and I'm going to prove that next year. I, there's no more Joe Kim Noah as a freshman who barely plays that actually comes back to school the next year got better, improved, was committed to getting better, and then became the national player of the year. That, that doesn't happen. You don't play as a freshman. There's no sitting in, and waiting your turn. That's, I'm going to go find my next school. And it's just become such the norm that you just have to deal with it. So you mentioned a couple of times earlier in the podcast about Florida UTC, like the guys just made, like we're going to stick together, we're going to stay together, this is what we're going to do. Like the chemistry was just unbelievable and very special seems like with the portal and, you know, guys moving in and out and rosters change. I mean, some some coach, some roster change about 50% almost every year. It's hard yeah. to get – it's going to be hard to build that chemistry because it takes, it takes time together, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I look at a team like FAU. Um, you know, I think Dusty May has done an unbelievable job. He's – you know, 30 minutes down the road from, from me. So I've, I've been able to spend some time with them, done some games for them for ESPN plus and gone to some practices and shoot arounds and stuff like that. He got all those guys to stay in a, in a world where he takes that team to the final four and there's hundreds of thousands of dollars being thrown at those kids to leave. They've got that bond, mm-hmm. you know, and that's why they had so much success and it's so hard to find, but when you got it, you got it, and you got a chance to do something special. You know, the 2014 Final Four team at Florida, Wilbekin, you get Patrick Young, Casey Prather, Mike Frazier, Casey Hill, Dorian Finney-Smith, like that team, they had that too. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they had that too, and that's why we were able to win 30 games in a row, go 21-0 and in the SEC. I mean, that's crazy to do. That does, and, and you're talking about 
SEC. Kentucky played for the national championship that year. So that was a good league. We went 21-0. But those guys had that connectivity. They had that bond. And when you have it, you got a chance to do something special. Eric Robertson, Casey Jones, Trey McLean, Justin Toyo, Greg Pryor, Chuck Esther, Duke Etheridge, those guys had that bond. That's why we won 29 games, set a school record. You know, I just gave them some things to do on offense, and this is how we're going to play on defense and draw up some plays coming out of timeouts. They yeah. had that bond. Yeah. And when you got it as a coach, hey, don't overcoach. Billy yep. called me the night of the of the Southern Conference Championship game. Don't overcoach. Your players got you here. Let them go be players and make plays. Just for a quick second, if you don't mind, you brought up Eric Robertson a couple of times. When I was at uh, Hickson, his fiance at that time uh, was his wife, was our FCA leader, and Eric was instrumental in FCA and just a great, great young man. Um, if people don't know, he passed away unexpectedly about a year ago. After put, yeah, it was, maybe it was, a little it was Mar March, March, yeah, year and a half a year, ago, about a year and a half ago. After yeah. playing some pickup basketball, I believe. Uh, you mind just mentioning his impact, his character for a second on the team? I know in the Chattanooga community and the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, he was uh, he was as good as gold. You you couldn't uh, he he and his wife both, Jerica. Yeah, you mind just mentioning him a second? Yeah, they, they've got a, a, a beautiful son who I know at some point here is going to start banging home threes. I don't know when, but, yeah. um, you know, from a basketball standpoint, it, it was the ball hit his hands. If he had a crack, it was going up, and 50% of the time it was going in. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't ever remember him ever having a bad day. And when I mean a bad day, a day where he lacked energy, he lacked enthusiasm. I mean, I remember – you know, one of our first practices and they're stretching and he is barking at whoever's on, you know, the white team and they're on the, they're on the, you know, Navy blue team. And he's just like, you know, they're going to be rattled today. They're going to, I mean, just, he just, and it was never like trash talking, like in a negative way. It was always a very positive way. Like you never had to worry about your team being ready to play because he was going to make sure that the energy was there before the ball was thrown up in the air. Um, you know, another guy that went through two coaching changes at Chattanooga and stayed, you know, same with Casey Jones, two coaching changes and stayed. But the impact he had, man, that, that guy never had a bad day. Mm -hmm. And I guarantee you when he was playing pickup that day where, where he unfortunately lost his life, it was the same thing. The energy was in the gym. He loved the game of basketball. But I don't ever remember, you know, him coming, not being ready and, and willing to give that same energy and that same effort. It was it was truly a, a gift, and I'll never forget that about him. I, I don't think there was a single person that Eric ever came uh, in contact with that he did not have a positive impact in their life. Just just didn't happen. And that's, you know, again, that's that was one of the reasons we had so much success. We were able to beat Georgia and Illinois and Dayton and win all those non-league games before yeah. we ended up winning – a Southern Conference championship. He was uh, he was truly special, man. Yeah, that was a, a fun team uh, to watch. He was a major impact on that. Well, well, Coach, before we get off here, um, and you've said a lot of great things, wisdom for coaches. There's, there's a coach listening right now. He's 22, 23. He's, he just got his first U.S. history job. He's going to be teaching and coaching in high school ranks, or maybe he's going to go for that GA job and one day try to be a head college coach or high school coach. What just – quick word of advice you'd give to that that guy as you look back and you know 20 years ago or so that that was you um yeah. what would you say to that guy or, or lady that, that's listening 
Well, I think one, enjoy where you're at. Don't take it for granted. Don't take the relationships uh, that you're forging, that you're building. Don't don't take those for granted at all. Uh, really put your feet in and, and, and leave an imprint on, on where you are. Uh, don't be so quick to, to chase the next job or the next highest paycheck. Um, and serve the program where, wherever you may be. You know, I, I got my opportunity at the University of Florida because, you know, it, it wasn't this secret formula. I wasn't the greatest recruiter in the world or individual instruction or scouter or anything like that. It was because when Coach Donovan hired me back as an assistant, I had treated people the right way there before. And he knew culturally I was the right guy to bring back to Florida at the time because I worked hard and I treated people the right way. That was it. Work hard and treat people the right way. And I got my opportunity as a head coach because of the success we were having at Florida, not because I was the greatest coach in the world, because we were serving the University of Florida's program. We were having success. That's why I got my opportunity. And when you get it, take your time, understand. Even as a young coach, you got a lot to learn. Um, don't don't chase the next job. Don't be looking for the next job. Don't look for the bigger paycheck. How can you improve each and every day as a head coach? And understand there's good jobs, there's right opportunities, there's good fits for you, there's bad fits for you in terms of a job. Just attack it and attack it with a really good attitude, with great effort. And it's the same thing that I tell my kids every day when they get out of my car for school. Two things you can control, you can control your attitude and you can control your effort. Outside of that, you don't really have control. But as a coach, it's the same thing. Uh, you know, have a positive attitude every single day and, and absolutely get after it and, and leave an imprint where you are and don't be in such a rush to get somewhere else. Well, Coach, I appreciate you taking the time. We'll look for you on some uh, games this fall. Um, it seems, it seems, sounds like you're going to be doing quite a few of them. Um, Big Ten mainly you mentioned earlier? or Well, I think, you know, hopefully there's, there's more opportunities with, with NBC Sports. I, I, I covered the A-10 last year. Uh, I was in studio a bunch. I was on the sideline a bunch doing some analyst work. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about it, continuing to do the field of 68 with Rob Doster and Jeff Goodman. Um, so we'll see what, what, what opportunities come my way. But I kept getting more of them last year, so I must have yeah. done a half of a decent job and um, looking forward to doing it again. Well, if you ever come through Chattanooga, holler at me. We'll go grab some good barbecue. Darn right we will. Sugar's Ribs, I know it's still up there on the hill. Love to it's get there. It's still up there. Somehow <laughs> it's hanging on every time I pass it because everything around us is gone, but yeah. it's still there. That's great. That's great. Uh, well, Matt, I appreciate you having me on, man. Yeah, thank you. You got it.